Sakina Kamwendo on SAFM. Bradley, first and foremost, uh, perhaps just to bring us all up to speed, uh, please tell us about the major elements of the Code of Good Practice and what it includes at this stage. Yes, thanks, Akina. And, and I guess a point of comfort for employers and employees is that it's essentially the same kinds of regulations which you would have seen in those directions, which were, as you said, released on the 11th of June 2021 as the final version of those directions under the Occupational Health and Safety Act. And those directions will actually cease to have any legal force and effect after the 15th of April 2022 when the state of disaster is lifted. And the, the question, obviously, which was occupying the Department of Labor and, I guess, Medlac, was what would happen in relation to things like the usage of PPE, masks, sanitization, social distancing, and this newly introduced concept of mandatory vaccinations in the workplace. What would happen after the 15th of April when we're no longer in a state of disaster? Because all of those regulations, all of those legal provisions essentially fall away. So the Department of Employment and Labor have now introduced this code of good practice, which is promulgated under the Labor Relations Act, obviously a very foundational, very important piece of legislation in South African law, which establishes fundamental rights for employers and employees. And essentially what it does is, as you say, the material takeaway is that it, it replicates, it copies and pastes a lot of the things that you saw in those old directions. And it means that now under the Labor Relations Act, as a code of good practice, an employer must conduct a risk assessment of its workplace. It must assess to what extent its employees are going to be exposed to COVID. Also to the extent that it uh, performs functions in the public and there's interaction between its employees and the public. To what extent are those interactions between its employees and the public going to expose either the employees or members of the public to COVID? And after having conducted that risk assessment, it must then put in place appropriate measures to try to comply with its high-level obligation under the Occupational Health and Safety Act to ensure that its employees and third parties are not exposed to unhealthy or unsafe working conditions. And part of that risk assessment and part of the entitlement, and I want to say it's an entitlement, it's not an obligation on the part of employers. Employers may then impose mandatory vaccination policies on their workplaces. They may require employees to undergo mandatory vaccination. But it's not certain, and it certainly requires the employer to conduct that risk assessment and see whether or not it's reasonable, given its workplace and given its operational requirements, to require employees to have mandatory vaccinations. And then, of course, um, if we look at all of this, Bradley, I think one thing that's very concerning for many South Africans, uh, given the rates of vaccine hesitancy, as it's been referred to in this country, is, of course, um, a mandatory vaccination in the workplace. And what does this mean for employees who choose not to get vaccinated? Absolutely. So this kind of good practice, as I've indicated, allows an employer to adopt a mandatory vaccination policy. Again, it's going to have to conduct a risk assessment, but there's not a lot of guidance in this code of good practice as to what the risk assessment should take into account when considering whether or not you're going to adopt a mandatory vaccination policy. So there's a lot of scope, there's a lot of leeway for an employer to turn around and say, we believe that in our particular circumstances, and it may even be something as simple as there's a lot of interaction between our employees and the public and therefore a fair degree of risk that there could be exposure between our employees internally and or the public or, or vice versa. We believe that mandatory vaccination is essential for those employees. Now, 
remember also that that mandatory vaccination policy can identify, or in fact, it must identify the category of employees who are required to be vaccinated. So you could ring fence mandatory vaccination for only that at-risk category of employees, or to the extent that you assess that it's necessary for everybody, you could require everybody to undergo mandatory vaccination. Now, the old directions allowed employees to raise objections to mandatory vaccination on what they called constitutional and religious grounds, as well as medical reasons. The interesting thing about the Code of Good Practice is that it simply says that if an employer conducts its risk assessment, adopts a mandatory vaccination policy, goes through certain administrative steps of notifying the employees that they're required to be vaccinated, there's also requirements for them to provide transportation, sick leave, et cetera, et cetera. But if an employee is notified that they must undergo mandatory vaccination, the essentially the only thing in this code of good practice which allows the employees to opt out of mandatory vaccination is if they can provide a medical assessment, which is either accepted or confirmed by the employer, that there are medical contraindications to that employee being vaccinated. Then there don't seem to be very many options available to the employee to refuse to undergo mandatory vaccination. And in fact, the code goes further to say that if an employer adopts a mandatory vaccination policy, the employee should take all reasonable steps to ensure that they comply with that policy. So it does look as if there's a bit of a squeeze being put on employees and a restriction on their options to avoid mandatory vaccination in the workplace. Mm. And even with that, as you say, leaves quite a bit of uh, discretionary power to the employers. But do you still foresee uh, some litigation being taken as far up as the constitutional court in this regard, Bradley? I certainly think that it's going to be tested further up the line. So far, we've seen two CCMA decisions in relation to mandatory vaccination. And those two decisions so far, and I think they've been considered by the CCMA at a high level in order to ensure that there's consistency of approach. Uh, But those CCMA decisions essentially show that where there's a mandatory vaccination policy accepted by an employer, Uh, and the employee is excluded from the workplace as a result, Uh, there's very little scope for the employee to claim that that was somehow unfair. Now, again, those are CCMA decisions. So from there, you can have it up at the Labor Court, the Labor Appeal Court, and potentially because these involve constitutional grounds, even, even in the one CCMA case, the employee, I think, very superficially claimed that there was a religious objection, which was also very superficially dealt with and rejected by the CCMA. There's a lot of issues here which probably require further consideration by the Constitutional Court. So it it may well be considered at that point in time. Bradley Workman-Davies, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. And uh, Bradley is a Labor and Employment Practice Director at Worksman's Attorney. So there you have it. Uh, this is what's going to be unfolding. And, yeah, we will keep our eyes and ears open so that we bring you the latest with regard to all of these developments. Sakina Kamwendo on SAFM.